Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's a Dapper Devil production, see? Hello, all, and welcome to another episode of Glee. Glee. Aggressive. Aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My name is Karina. My name is Ian. And we are here today to discuss with you the season one, episode 19 of Glee, entitled Dream On. (sighs) (laughs) This episode originally aired May 18th of 2010. Um, I'll start you off, Ian. My first note at the top of this is just, oh shit, (laughs) y'all. Yeah, that sounds about right. My bias could not be contained for this episode. Man. So... I don't blame you, though. Look, so this episode, May 2010, I was still in college, unclear. I don't remember when college used to get out, so it's possible I was still living on campus at this time. We were probably, May 10th, we were probably, like, end of classes. We are probably in that weird week between classes and finals. Finals? So that means I still had cable, and I definitely made it a point that I was like, I have to watch this episode of Glee. Of this course you were. This episode of Glee has... Their next big name guest star, which is to say, we do have Neil Patrick Harris in this episode. Yes, we do. Let's talk a little bit about context. So, 2010, that was really when the world was at its height of we lo- we all love Neil Patrick Harris, right? Absolutely, it was definitely like peak Patrick Harris. Yes, and also the director of this episode is actually Joss Whedon, right? Um, who, yikes, has since um, yikes. Has since done a yikes, but at the time was still very much just like your fan beloved Buffy, Firefly, your Doctor Horrible starring New Patrick Harris. Like, and this, so this was like fandom nerd, like everyone wanted this. Exactly. Not to mention, this is peak How I Met Your Mother as yeah, well. Yeah, this, I realized this like in the middle of it. Like, this is 2010 is probably like season three of How, How I Met Your Mother is airing, if not yeah. like. In the works. I guess so. And like, I wrote this down that the character that Neil Patrick Harris is playing here, whose name is Brian Ryan, which is objectively very funny, has big like Barney Stinson energy. He was clearly coming in and playing essentially the same character. Right. um, Which he does well. He does. It's very much in his wheelhouse, but I was like, okay, this is almost just like cross promotion for for How I Met Your Mother. Which is hilarious because they're on two separate networks. Yes, they are. So this is the Neil Patrick Harris episode, and also some other stuff happens. Is yes, basically. I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, I I just I made so much of an effort to watch this episode. I was in deep. So let's actually talk about the plot. Yeah, <laughs> right. So Figgins is back. Um, we haven't seen him in a minute. Yeah. Um, and we find out that Neil Patrick Harris as Ryan Brian is Brian Ryan. Mm-hmm. Neil Patrick Harris as Brian Ryan is here. Um, and he's going to basically audit um, the budget in, like, yes. what club is getting what money. And he has a vendetta against the arts. Yes. Will reveals that they were in Glee Club together. We have a delightful little flashback where they sing Daydream Beliner. Neil Patrick Harris does some up-close magic. And we get to see what Will looked like in high school. Which looks a lot like Will now, but with longer hair and braces. And more acne. And more acne. Because that's what high school is. 
Right. So they put him up in like this awkward high school will look, and it was fun. Like that's why a is fun he the look. why is he the only high schooler in this universe to have acne? Right, because Brian Ryan can't get acne. Right. He's too perfect, and he's doing up close magic. And neither can any of the current students, apparently. Well, the rest were all girls, so presumably they were just wearing foundation. Fair. I but I meant like any oh, of those. It- since the past Today, we have yes. we have eliminated acne we have eradicated acne it is no longer an issue in the glee universe we don't have acne anymore it must be nice um but neil patrick brian ryan if you will has dated every girl that will has ever had a crush on mm-hmm. so by that logic brian ryan dated april rhodes <gasps> oh my god neil patrick harris Kristen chenoweth supremacy um, yep. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what the sentence that just came out of my mouth even means. It's, it's but like I know it's playful true. eugenics. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry about the eugenics. <laughs> I, um, I get it. I like, bet they Just were objectively. Like, I bet Brian Ryan and April Rhodes were like a brief but powerful couple. Oh, like, absolutely. They burnt out quick because those are two divas in one relationship. But when they were together, they were burning bright, baby. And I imagine it was like maybe all of because I believe the math was like April Rhodes would have been a senior when Brian Ryan was a junior. So yeah. he so I believe they dated like maybe all of her senior year, if not all yeah. of her senior year, then like January to June. Yeah. And they were everything. And then April was like, nah, I'm on my way up in the world. Deuces. Explosive like, breakup on prom night. Yes. Like explosive. Yes. Like that's the prom everyone still talks about is the year that like they got into a sing-off fight. <laughs> because of course, because <laughs> of course it's a sing-off. On the dance floor. Um, God. Okay. Well, fan fiction <laughs> that I'm going to go write later aside. Um, <laughs> Oh god, that'll be its own special episode, and I can't wait. Oh my god, if you want- The Glee fanfiction episode is gonna be wild. I'm already telling you. I've already written half of it. I can't wait. I can't wait. So he comes Uh. in, and he's like, High schoolers, you have dreams, and I'm going to crush them. (laughs) Literally. Literally. Literally, he says, write your your dreams down on these pieces of paper, and then I'm gonna crush them up, because it's never gonna happen. He, uh- Chekhov gun uh, crushes Artie's and throws it into a trash can, uh, right. which that'll be a surprise tool to help us later. And then mm-hmm. he's basically like, none of your dreams are realistic. You should strive to be someone who works in insurance. Right. The arts will get you nowhere. Yes. He's very jaded because he was in the arts and um, as he mentioned to Figgins, he ended up in a, the Lima crack house district. Which is a so, thing. Sure. Um, yeah. And now he runs a Glee, um, a, a, basically an AA for recovering Glee Club members. Yes, which has Molly Shannon, who we saw in last week's recap. She's here today. <laughs> she's here today, but there was no recap this time, so fine. No, and so she's here to let us know that once she was auditioning for oh, I Guys forget. and Dolls. Yes! And they asked her to take her top off, and apparently that's not customary. Mm. Um, and then we also have that other guy we've seen before. Right. In the is is he the guy that plays the other judge that isn't Elizabeth Bank in, in Pitch Perfect? Yes. All right. Yes, he okay. Is. Don't quote me on that one, but I think it's true. I'm only just realizing this now because also just because we were just talking about Pitch Perfect with Nick. Right. Um. 
Which, like, bonus episode about Pitch Perfect. Um, I'm, I'm down. I'm so down. Um, now I'm going to look it up. Uh, but he says, like, he put on a musical about his dad's prostate cancer, and that didn't go very well. So this right. is the kind of group that uh, Brian Ryan runs a recovery group for. Right. And also, in his day job, he sells used Hummers because global warming isn't real. Yep. He, he says um, that out loud. Sure. It's Fox. Um, <laughs> and... Will is like, hey, don't do that to this kid, to these kids. Like, these kids are stars. And uh, Neil Patrick Harris is just like, I'm just trying to save them. I'm just trying to spare you disappointment. Um, Neil Patrick <laughs> Harris tears down shoe because he, his dream didn't work out. Neither will yours. Right. Um. Quick, I just confirmed because I don't want to be wrong. It is the judge from Pitch Perfect. Yes. And another thing that he was in was he's known for being in the movie Best in Show with James. Yes. Yes. It all comes together, folks. It does. I love it. And so my next note is, um, Shoe versus NPH, what cartoonish Dr. Horrible bullshit is this? Oh, yeah, it's Joss Whedon. Boom. You hit the nail on the head. And then I actually really enjoyed it from there. They, some of the cuts of kids writing their dreams on paper, we have that uh, Quinn would like no stretch marks. Um, sure. Because she's pregnant and Rachel wanted to be a star. And there was yeah. probably some others that I couldn't, didn't think to, to pause, to pause for the joke. Sure. Uh, which is my downfall, but I did note those ones. We God, appreciate God, the fact your work. that it is just like it is Doctor Horrible cartoon bullshit. That is all this is. It's yeah. Josh Whedon. It's well, Josh Whedon. Let's see what happens next. Ooh, my... so, well, we get Artie and Tina. Okay, that is next. So. Tina has snuck back, or, like, gone back to get her book bag and grabbed Artie's crumpled up Chekhov's gun dream out of the, um, trash can. And that mm -hmm. Artie wrote down that they were heavy. He was like, oh, no, my dream's to be, like, a filmmaker because I'm in a wheelchair. That's re reasonable for me. And then she was like, no, you wrote down that your dream is to be a dancer. And he was like, but I can't do a dance. I'm in a wheelchair. Which, first of all, I'm going to call bullshit on this a couple times, but, like, adaptive dancing is a thing. It is. It's a thing. He can still be a dancer and be in a wheelchair. Um, I think that's I why this was undercut for me. Yeah, I because guess. Because I'm like, it's it's a thing. In 2010, maybe we weren't talking about adaptive dancing. Sure. Possibly. And also, I guess if the plot was, uh, you can be a dancer, then it wouldn't have the same tension that the writers were going for. They, they okay. didn't want to explore options for Artie to be able to dance incorporating and using his wheelchair. They wanted him to feel bad about himself. So, Ugh. not great, and it really did undercut the whole plot for me, but I guarantee that when I watched this the first time and didn't, like, wasn't educated about, like, adaptive things, uh, I probably didn't register like that for me, so I can see sure. that this plot could hit, but it didn't for me. Sure. I thought this was going to be an episode where everyone's like, this is my backup plan. Yeah! Like, and, if yeah. my dream is crushed, here's what I'll end up doing. Which, like, it ended up not being about that, which, fine. Um, because we got into so much more. Um, yeah. <laughs> then basically Artie and Tina come together, and Tina's like, no, like, we saw, like, we saw you doing Proud Mary. Like, that was kind of, like, that was, like, essentially adaptive yeah, dancing. It was. Like, and then it's like, let's kick it up a few notches. So, like, that was, that's cool. Like, I'm here for the Artie Tina um, yeah, we love an child. plot. Yeah, love it. I'm um, really happy that we finally got that because it feels like we have we are overdue for some Tina time. Yeah, we've been ignoring them for a couple episodes now, so yeah. it was time. Um, and then we cut to Rachel dancing. Um, and my note here is Rachel's not a great ballet dancer, but Jessie's here. 
I wrote Jonathan Groff and Neil Patrick Harris. I'm spoiled. <laughs> yeah, you um, are. She says that she was doing the dream ballet from Oklahoma, which is what she does when she's stressed. Ian, is that also what you do when you are stressed? Um, n- no, not as of late. Um, I'm going to have to check back in with 2010 Ian and see what he thinks. Um, <laughs> Did he sit in his room trying to master the dream ballet? At that point, it might have been, like, the Billy Elliot angry tap dance. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Potentially. Uh, that, yeah. you want to talk about iconic. Yeah, I, I mean, I love an angry tap dance. Oh, fuck yeah. But this is not a podcast about my favorite movie that was turned into a musical, Billy Elliot. Um, <laughs> yet. Yet. <laughs> one day. <laughs> one day. Um, so then my next note is, why was he the only one on spring break? Because... He was going on spring break. They actually said it in last episode that he was on spring break in San Diego with his friends from Vocal Adrenaline. Yes. Which just means that Vocal Adrenaline School was on spring break and he had plans. And so he lives that kind of freewheeling lifestyle where his uncle will let him skip school for an undetermined amount of time. Fine. Explain that way. Fine. It's a stretch. And it is just that they couldn't get Jonathan Groff for last week. Right. But, um... I can, right. yeah, that's what it was. He had flights out to San Diego from a while ago when he was still in the other school. Sure. And his cool uncle was like, sure, you can go to on vacation anyway. Yeah, skip a week. Um, the, she, he's a senior. Like, what does he need to get done? He He's already admitted into the University of California, Los Angeles, as we you know. You might have heard of it. You might have heard it's of it. It's in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> um. And he actually says something very nice to her, which is, she's like, oh, my dream is to be in these three shows. She says, it's funny, girl. Evita. Evita and... And Lori in Oklahoma, which is why the um, dream ballet. Right, right, Um, right, right, right. Yeah, and Jonathan Groff is actually a very supportive boyfriend throughout this whole episode, but especially here. He He also says, like, this, you know, welcome to Teenage Girl Corner, where um, he says... You being up on that stage saying don't cry for me, Argentina isn't a dream, it's an inevitability. Yes. Which, like, tell me you've never, like, someone, I will fight anyone who says that they've never, like, wished that their significant other would say something like that to them. 100%. I don't care who, I don't care what gender you identify or don't identify with, like, to this day, all I need is my significant other to say, yeah, you're going to be Mike in a chorus line one day. Married. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I'm not going to marry you, but thank you. <laughs> I don't think it would be possible at this point. Right, it's just exactly. Like every t- it's like every time I watch Newsies and I go, there's Ian. <laughs> thank you so much. And I watch Newsies a lot. But this isn't about all the productions of Newsies I haven't booked yet. Um, <laughs> it's an inevitability, Ian. Uh, so, so instead he's like, well, what is your dream? And he's moving his flowing locks around or whatever. And right. like a dream is something you should feel like you can't reach. And then... He pokes her a bunch about it, and she's eventually like, oh, um, I want to meet my mom, because she has two gay dads, and I, so, there's, like, questions here about, like, something I don't think either of us are poised to talk on about, like, how people feel when they know that they, like, were adopted or, like, born through surrogacy, Mm -hmm. and, like, the feeling of, like, having that birth parent that isn't in their lives. I don't know how that feels. Same. So it does feel a little bit like the way she talks about it, that Rachel doesn't quite understand how surrogacy works because she says a lot about, like, she just gave me up, which isn't what that situation was. Right. Because it was, like, a contract and an agreement, not just that, like, an adoption. 
remind me, do we know this at this point already? Like in our like, do we already know that it was a like that it was a, a contracted yes, surrogacy? So in the I just forgot. Pilot in the pilot, mm. she says, "I have two gay dads," and they uh. And she says, like, that they mixed their sperm together, so we still don't know who the real father is. And it's a visual joke, because then they One opened up to... Yeah. And so, we all, we do know. Um, right. But yes, they, they did say that she is biologically at least one of her dads, and... and Can I go on a quick alert. tangent? Of course. Just because I'm, just cause I'm thinking about something, a tweet that I saw, like, ages ago, mm-hmm. which was, Christy Carlson Romano could Rachel okay. Berry... But Leah Michelle could never Kim Possible. <laughs> and tell God. me that is not one thousand right. percent accurate. Like, I don't know how talking about surrogacy reminded you of this, but you're not I, wrong. I don't know how my mind. I guess because we were like, okay, this is how it happened. Because I thought about this earlier today, mm-hmm. and then as you were talking about like the visual gag of it, because one of her dads is black, that like in my mind I was like, okay, well, what is the glee universe in which like he was the father like who would they have cast and of course i'm thinking okay like casting leah michelle could never kim possible Um, right yeah so that's 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 how it came up again for me today but so yes you're right i'm just i'm shook um (laughs) so yes so rachel is like but i would like to meet my mom which i think is probably an accurate thing that when you get to be older and decide like there is another parent of me technically out in this world somewhere. Um, right. So I buy this. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, here comes the Rachel's mom plot. I think some eagle-eyed fans might have seen it coming. Um, well, I, I mean, I remember, like, I didn't, I didn't see this episode. I saw, I've seen the end of this episode. Okay. Um, I've seen the end of this episode, and I remember reading or watching some sort of interview about, like, the whole who her mom is because of who Leah Michelle looks like yep. in the world. Um, yeah. So I knew that, it, like, if you if you read the trades, then yeah. you knew this was going to happen. I believe from my research that a lot of people kind of guessed that this is where it was going because of that exact yeah. same reason. So even back in the times, people be knowing. Um... Do, 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 do. Okay, so then I believe we go to Artie and Tina again. Yes, um, so Tina is putting together this tap combination um, where she can tap as an able-bodied person. Yeah. And Artie has taps on his wheelchair. Um, I actually thought this number was so charming. It was really cute. It was just like a very cute, super sweet. I think obviously it doesn't go the way they want it to and Artie's probably putting too much pressure on himself Mm -hmm. um but I think for like that's a very good example of of dancing that they've done there yeah I mean it's not exactly working out how they want and then Archie tries to I wrote Archie um you just go into Riverdale mode (laughs) no oh god then Artie like tries to walk based on the crutches that he bought off of the kid with cerebral palsy which is weird extra pair Borrowed, borrowed I don't the know. extra pair. I heard bought. Um, no, so, but still. My yeah, bad. Artie has just kind of got himself in this mind space where his worthiness is now tied to his ability to walk, dance traditionally, or walk even, really. Um, right. And this was, like, a very, like, kind of emotionally tough scene of Artie trying to 
walk yeah, on he... crutches, which he can't do because he does not have functional use of his legs. And right. he falls, and it's very sad. It's very sad, and then he, like, yells at Tina to go away, which yeah. is sad. Yeah, that's a, like, everyone's kind of out of their depths emotionally in that scene because yeah. they're high schoolers who don't really know what's going on exactly i think is that yeah he's like you you're pushing me to do this i don't like i'm a failure kind of like he lashes out at tina for some of it because she was trying which like it's such a bummer that we keep on like such a bummer that like the whole tina already plot line thus far has been like they like each other already fucks it up they like each other already says something rude Mm -hmm. their relationship feels the most high school to me yes like yes they feel very like I think Tina and Artie are two of the youngest people on in the cast besides Chris Goldfuss, so they're both pretty young, and right. I think a lot of that reads. And also, they were very good friends, so they had like mm-hmm. chemistry there. But it does read as the most kind of authentically youthful relationship that we've seen on that show, which I think is nice. Yeah. Also, we just stand them because you know they they don't get what they deserve. Justice for exactly. both of them. Exactly. Then we cut to Rachel, who believes she has found her mother. But <laughs> it's not who you think it is. In, there's also a line in this that made me really laugh. So she comes in with all this evidence that her mother is Patty Lapone. Yep. And she has done some deductions that Patty Lapone was on tour with Mandy Patinkin during yep. that time and could have come and was in Ohio nine months before Rachel was born. And she could have. And so Jesse is like. So you think your father's impregnated Patty Lapone in a hotel in Akron when she was on tour with Mandy Patinkin? And then he goes, was Mandy Patinkin involved in this? Yep. <laughs> Which, good question. Good question, because imagine if she was like, oh my god, light bulb, my dad is Mandy Patinkin. If only all of our dads right. could be Mandy Patinkin. Uh. Um, that was very, that, that was a good read line read on, was Mandy Patinkin involved in this? And then... Absolutely. He's like, so, and she's like, no, I know. And then she's like, I also did one for Bernadette Peters. Yes, which was very funny. And then, um, oh, but by the way, this is also where we find out that, like, she was born in 1994. Yeah. Like, Rachel Berry was born in 1994, which leads me to believe that there is a possibility in some meta-universe that Leah Michelle was, or Rachel Berry was a freshman when I was a senior in college. Yeah. 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 So that's Rachel that. Barry's, Rachel Berry would be two years younger than me. Right. So that's fun Terrible. and frightening. Um, Terrible news. Um, <laughs> and then Jesse's still like pushing this, like, no, no, you should be actually trying. Like, let's go all CSI on this. Right. Because um, Rachel Berry has a whole file case of stuff about her that her dads have kept over the years, um, which may which involves who her mom is right or like the fact well yes i don't know if they imply that they have kept the paperwork there for her to find it more that it's just baby memories right but jesse seems to believe that they will be able to find something there which will come Mm -hmm. full circle right then we're back to neil patrick harris and matthew morrison are they in the bar Um, at this point they're in the bar yes um they are socially distanced i noticed it's just because they don't like each other yeah. Um, yeah, they're in a bar. They're catching up on old times. Brian Ryan reveals that there was always that one. There was the one girl who got away and that he couldn't like land in high school, and it turned out to be Terry. And so Will now has this one thing over him that because he was like, "Oh, I married Terry," 
and then has to immediately be like, well, we divorced. We divorced, um, but still, it's like, a, you can see that's a moment of, like, a little bit of confidence for Will that he landed the one girl that Brian Ryan couldn't. Neat. Sorry, I got distracted by a note that I have. Okay. Which I guess ties into the whole, like, no one here is, like, gonna make it. Like, no one here is, like, that kind of special, which, like... Right. Something about the scene reminded me of when my st- one of my studio teachers in college was like, no, no, let's be real. None of us here are going to perform at the Met. And I was like, excuse me? Harsh. This this pep talk is backwards. Like, I didn't think that's this, what I was paying you for. This whole thing, like this whole pep talk about like, w- like we don't want to be generic. Like we want to be ourselves. We want to be special. None of us you are going to perform at the Met. And I'm like, A, you already have. Yeah. B, I had just finished filming my first film, so right. I was feeling very good about myself. Um, <laughs> and and then um, it turns out Neil Patrick Harris just can't stand his life. He goes on like tri- secret trips to New York to see Broadway shows, and there's boxes of playbills hidden in his basement like porn. Yes, it turns out that Brian Ryan is all front when he's trying to kill people's stardom dreams because he just really loves it so much and he couldn't hack it. So he's yes. uh, he's hiding a whole secret life, and then Will does the only sensible thing, um, which is to, of course, turn on the jukebox and encourage them to start singing. <laughs> Ian, I notice your hands are uh, your head's in your hands right now. Care to care to talk about this? Is it a, is it Billy Joel? It's Billy Joel. Okay. Do you um, not like Billy Joel, or do you like Billy Joel too much? I don't. Okay, so. I am a suburban New Yorker yeah. of the millennial generation born yeah. to baby boomer parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, I don't care for Billy Joel. Okay. I, some of his songs are, are bangers. Sure. Yeah. Do I use always a woman for audition sometimes? Yes. Okay. You could have picked any song, Billy Joel or otherwise. <laughs> So, so the Piano Man, huh? You had to go with Piano Man? Not a Piano Man fan is what I'm learning from about Not a Piano Man fan. Not a Piano Man fan. Is this um, because you can play piano and people want you to play Piano Man all the time? That doesn't happen as much as I think. As That's much as I bad. thought it might. Or as much as one might think. And, like, thank God for that. It doesn't happen as much as I want it to, apparently. <laughs> um, no, I guess, like, I just... I'm just so tired. It feels like... I guess when you're a, a, a suburban New York Jewish boy, Piano Man... You can't Man, escape Billy Joel. You can't escape Billy Joel. And furthermore, you can't escape Piano Man. Yeah. So I think maybe that song is just triggering for me. That's... Fair enough. Um, that, like, if I'm hearing Piano Man, and it's not 9 o'clock on a Saturday, and I don't have a bagel and coffee in my hand, then I'm livid. Mm. Bagel and coffee would be good. I know. Um, also, I'm really hungry right now, so like I'm just like, oh. Piano man, piano man hits different when you're super hungry. Um, yes. I think Billy Joel is fine. I like quite a few Billy Joel songs. Once I memorized all the words to "We Didn't Start the Fire." Um, I believe in a, that in a single day because we were going to a bar that had his '80s night, and we were like, I wonder if we can get them to play "We Didn't Start the Fire." Let's learn all the words just in case. Was um, this when you were in Colorado? Yeah. I spent the, me, Sarah, and Tina spent the whole day memorizing all the words to We Didn't Start the Fire, and then the bar we went to wouldn't play it for us. That's rude. Was that Hell at the Moon? 
Yeah, presumably because <laughs> these two people were like, what the fuck are these assholes requesting we didn't start the fire by Billy Joel? So this, mind you, listeners, this is a bar where you can request a song and performers will play it. Yeah, it's not just like a jukebox. It was just people we were drunkenly asked to please play We Didn't Start the Fire. Here's a list of songs I have asked the people at Howl at the Moon to play that they would not play. They would not play We Didn't Start the Fire. They would not play the song Harlem by The New Politics. They would not play any song from Hamilton. Right. And and they will only play one One Direction song for you. So... Which is what? They'll play What Makes You Beautiful. Because that's what everyone will play. Sure. Um, if you request a One Direction song. But anyway, um, I also like Moving Out. That's a good one. Yeah, but I can see your frustration with Piano Man. I think it is probably the most overdone Billy Joel song. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, it's just, like, oddly enough, and, like, my music has been compared to Billy, has gotten a Billy Joel comparison once. And, like, I, I take the compliment, but I'm also like, <sighs> yeah. Not. It's just not for me, which, I like, thought... I'll probably get a, an angry mob of, like, New York Jews yeah, outside my building. Your, you're going to get your New York Jew card revoked. Yeah. Um, and, of course, nobody in the bar appreciates this except for one extra. Right. Um, which I did and, like because that's realistic. Who would want to be when those two guys decide to start duetting? There's one person, and I, my note is, like, and my roommate said this, too, like, Unless you're in very specific bars in Hell's Kitchen, you're going to get shit thrown at you for Mm -hmm. belting Piano Man out. For two grown men belting Piano Man in a bar. Technically, I thought they sounded fine. No, they sounded great. I like listening to them sing. You know, they they both have great voices. The singing throughout this episode is never my issue. No, that's correct. Uh, Like, the performances are never my issue. But what's going to happen? They're going to audition for Les Mis. A community theater production of Les Mis. I would pay money to go see one of those right now. Absolutely. I love um, it. So good for them. They're both going to audition. They're both going to find themselves and be true to their artistic souls. Then we go to Tina, whose heart is in the right place, but maybe her... It's a very youthful way of looking at it, but basically Tina comes up to Artie and is like, did you know that people are researching being able to undo like spinal cord damage and undo paralysis like that? And... Again, it just feels very wide-eyed high schooler, someone who'd be like, maybe we can just fix this, which, spoiler alert, even ten years later, we have not, so. I get it, though. It's Totally, her... totally get it. She's trying to fix a problem that can't, is well beyond her depth to be able to be fixed, but she's in, like, but she has, gives already basically, hope. Um, yes. That, and maybe a little bit too misplaced of hope. Was the underscore a song in that scene? Maybe. It sounded not familiar. I remembered. Yeah, not that I could pick up on enough to remember. There was a couple different songs about dreams that were used as, like, the radio in this episode. Mm. Um, All right. Well, we go back to Jesse and Rachel um, going through this file box of stuff about Rachel's baby memories. And then the Jesse um, plot thickens. Okay, here's the thing with this, really quickly. And yeah. this is, again, music major, violin player Ian. Okay. Um, ranting about something that is of no consequence. Perfect. So she's like, they played Vivaldi on my mom's belly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that exp- that's supposed to explain why in the sonogram photo, she was in, like, the ballet fifth position. Yes. Vivaldi was not known for his ballets. Mm-hmm. If you want to go with Tchaikovsky... 
Um, absolutely. Vivaldi was known for his violin concertos. That's true. So it does not explain why she would be her... doing ballet in the womb. In the womb. Um, rant over, I guess. Well, what do you think about eight-month-old Rachel Berry re- re- winning a singing competition because she was very musically vocal? Fine. <laughs> Fine. Baby, that's just a baby battle babble. Baby battle. A baby battle, which is actually funnier than the word I was trying to say. Oh, I thought say. you said battle. I was trying to say babble, but I mm. said battle, and either way it's true. It's like Tablas and Tierra's the worst edition. Exactly. Because if they're only eight months, they I don't even know if they can hold their head up. Um, No, they no. can. That's almost one. I, that's not they? quite one. I have no idea. I don't know a lot about baby development. Right. But while they're going through all these weird memorabilias, Jesse takes out a literal cassette tape from his like shirt pocket and mm-hmm. pretends to have just found it in the box and it says like to mother from daughter. Nope. To daughter from mother. <laughs> and we Rachel like freaks out and is like, Oh my god, this is from my mom. I'm not ready to listen to this. It's moving too fast. And then she says, like, well, what if she sings and she's terrible? Or worse, what if she's better than me? Which is exactly what Rachel Berry would think. Exactly what you expect from Rachel mm-hmm. Berry. And so, like, they hold off on playing the tape for now. Um, fine. Because we gotta, we have, I don't know, I guess 30 minutes left of this episode to get through. Yeah, um, we got, we, they do a lot of, like, quick flipping through the three plots this episode. Yes. Because we have a Rachel Mom plot, our Tina and Artie plot, and the Brian Ryan plot. And they, like... Yes rollerboard through all of them pretty quickly i will say none of which i hate no i didn't i didn't hate any of these plots no i didn't either we do get to the les mis audition um we we open this scene on the woman that is inevitably going to be their madame Thenardier. yeah you can just tell like a middle-aged woman who just looks grumpy singing big spender she does a good toys i I loved her i loved her her. i'm like let's nuclear about this woman yes um, I want to know her whole story. Will and Brian do a very, like, it's, it's very, again, it's very Joss Whedon, Dr. Horrible, where it's like, what are you singing? Impossible Dream? Oh, so was I. Well, now I'm going to sing Dream On by Aerosmith. Oh, well, so am I. So, I've got a couple questions for you. One's not a question, one's a comment. First okay. of all, uh, have you ever seen the clip of... Neil Patrick Harris and Jason Siegel singing the confrontation from Les Mis. Yes. Okay. All I could think about during this was like, man, they should have just done that during this. I know it doesn't have anything to do with dreams. I know all the songs had to have dream in them, but what a missed opportunity to hear them sing confrontation. I mean, this maybe is spoilers for the rest of this episode, but like this whole fucking episode was undercut by the fact that they couldn't just like cast the two of them as Valjean and Javert and whatever combination. Like, That's what I was, just, I'm like, you have two very talented male leads auditioning exactly. right now, and you're not going to give them Valjean, and they have such, and like, fighty chemistry? It would have been perfect. Ugh. Um, Except, like, Shu was, like, wearing that vest, and I'm like, okay, is you, are you going for, like, a somewhat older Angel Ross? Like, I was also wondering about that. I'm like, you're trying to dress down, worked. you're trying to go young here, Will. Yeah, could have worked. But, um, another answer to your question of have I seen the confrontation with, um, NPH and Jason Siegel, my other answer would have been, oh, do you mean do my friend Dan and I do that in a crowded bar oh, somewhat Ian. regularly before COVID hit? Ian, I believe perfect. so. 
yeah, that was like one of the staple videos. Because what back kids back before we had <laughs> we had things like Spotify Premium. Um, you had to get your singing where you could find it, and also boots weren't as like bootlegs weren't as available. So if right. you wanted to get watch clips of Neil Patrick Harris performing any sort of musical number, you got it where you could find it, and one of them was Jason Siegel and him doing confrontation on a couple morning talk shows, and they from were YouTube. beautiful. They, they were quality of oh. a potato. You couldn't make out any details, but you could hear them. Damn it. Uh, you and the potato metaphor. I love it. That's um, like a unknown. Well, like I saying know. that something was shot on a potato. Um, I know, but. Yeah. This brings, Between so, this and the chemistry of a potato, or um, the, have, the uh, charisma of a baked potato. <laughs> I have potatoes on my mind at all times. I love it. Um, before we get into talking about the number, I have my secondary question for you, which yes. is, would any reasonable person walk into an audition for Les Mis and sing Aerosmith's Dream On? Um, I don't know. Because I'm thinking about, like, so Les Mis, like, you kind of want that poparetta feel. Yeah. Like... It's a very, like, orchestrally classical-sounding show, but it is also kind of pop-sounding for mm-hmm. the age. So I could see... And, like, the song itself is very theatrical. So if you kind of come in with that song, but you kind of have, like, a standard Broadway, like, sound to it, it could work. Okay. Like, or maybe if you are if you are auditioning for... Um, I mean, like, this would definitely be perfect for, like, if you're auditioning for Tommy, if you're auditioning for of Hair. Of course. Um... There's but places like, where this would definitely fit, but in my mind, Les Mis maybe wasn't one of them. If you like, if I were casting Les Mis, mm-hmm. and like you came in and you did this the right way, you would definitely at least get a callback. Yeah, it's a memorable choice. But if you just performed it as Aerosmith intended, maybe less so. Then no, absolutely yeah. not. You're in the wrong room. Sir. It means you just didn't understand the material. You didn't understand right. the assignment. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean that this kind of song would probably not be ideal. Um, I don't know if you have more questions. I didn't want to no, get No, those are my two questions that specifically. Because they are bickering about doing it, and the dry cleaner, who is also the director, was like, I can only close my dry cleaner for 30 minutes, so you guys just have to do it as a duet. I threw my phone. Is, is that because that's not something that's allowed? Yes. And because I was like, of course, Ryan Murphy's going to find the excuse to have Neil Patrick Harris and Matthew Morrison sing a duet of Dream On. And did it work, though? Yes. Did it work? It worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked. Um, it was actually pretty great. Yeah, I love this a lot. I remember watching this number. Like, a lot of things I'm learning about myself is that Glee numbers that stick in my head are not, like, perfect in their episodes. They're just highly rewatchable on YouTube later. Um, and this is certainly one of them. I probably wore that YouTube video out. Um, I believe it. Um, it was pretty awesome actually like yeah, I, I, I wasn't expecting i wasn't expecting to enjoy that that much but they've got like good voices obviously we all know neil patrick harris can sing they um, blend well together pretty they do. Like, yeah um i wrote why is there a band um because that do- that, that doesn't a, happen that is a very good question why is there a band and of course it all ends with thank you we'll let you know yep which i'm sure is the most accurate possible way it could yep got some fun falsetto in there you know yeah just a fun it's a fun rock number uh it definitely showcases neil patrick harris and i was surprised they really only had him on two songs oh shit you're right not a lot of like considering kristen chenoweth fully got three 
I was a little surprised that they uh, did not um, push for more for him. But Does he ever come back? I don't think so. Oh, man. Probably by after that, Neil Patrick Harris really got too famous for Glee. Yeah, I could see that. He really was in his moment, so. Yeah. So we're back to Artie and Tina. We are back to Artie and Tina. In the mall. In the mall. And she, she has just convinced him to buy tap shoes, which is not a cheap investment, I feel like. No, for that's someone a good who's 60. In a yeah, especially for someone who's in a wheelchair. Optimism or not. Like, yeah, that's, that's a, a lot of money to spend. Especially when you're a high schooler. So that was where her heart was maybe in the right place, but again, very misguided. But let's talk about what happens next, which is, of course, a giant dream sequence. Oh, I thought you were going to say... Tina says, I'm going to go get a pretzel, but it's on the second floor, so you wait here. And I was like, the the mall doesn't have an elevator? No, I mean, it probably does, but I can see maybe it's out of the way. Like, if you're right by the stairs and the pretzel sure. place is right there, but the elevator's down the other, I could see where that could happen. But no, Fine. it's a dream sequence. It's, it's time dream for sequence. dream sequence. Yes. This number stuck out in my head. Like, this was a very memorable part of Glee when they yes. decided to do the arty dream sequence. Um, so he, he basically in his dream sequence is like, don't Tina, all of those treatments you told me about, I just went and did them and now I can walk. And what I really want to do is Is dance. dance. And then he hits a giant button on a giant speaker system and the safety dance starts playing. Yes. And I loved it. (laughs) I love this number. I mean, like we've talked all about the problems of the fact that Kevin McHale is playing someone in a wheelchair. It's well covered, but the fucking fact that Kevin McHale can really dance, and they were like, let's give him a chance, guys. Let's yes. give him a chance to uh, show off his moves. It was great. Um, my first note on this, though, is, hey, remember Flash Mobs? It was very, <laughs> like, it was very peak 2010, where, like, it was Flash Mobs were becoming, like, the thing. I did a dance Flash Mob in our school's cafeteria a year prior. Yep. No, you that can't. year, around that uh, months prior. Oh my god, it was that year. It was that year. Um, oh my god, that was that's when, so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen that. Um, and you couldn't escape flash mobs in the couldn't. 2010s. Like, you, like they were everywhere. There was friend... a new flash mob video on Facebook every week. Can I bring the? Can I like tie this together in a way that's only tangentially related to me? Of course. Um, one of my best friends um, was doing a like a local production of Les Mis. Mm-hmm. And they decided to do a one day more flash mob because, of course, you do. Of course, they did. In the local Panera. <gasps> of course, they did. That's it. <laughs> oh my god, 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 God! That's amazing. Yeah. That Panera must have hated them. I can I can't imagine they didn't. Um, like flash mobs were so prevalent that. My dad has been in a flash mob and like a crosswalk, which I think is very dangerous. Um, yeah. Like who? Like everyone. That's doing some James flash Corden level shit. Peak. I know he's still trying to make it happen. Um, <sighs> anyway, peak 2010 flash mob. But so yes, Kevin McHale sings and does a fun dance, flash mob style to the safety dance. And it was cool um, because like you kind of had like the blogger uh, like, motif yeah. happening with like people catching it on their digital cameras. Yeah, like. There was, like, a point where I was like, was this, like, an actual flash mob? Um, And, of course, it's not. But, like, they did a good job with it. 
my favorite part was so Artie's dancing, and then you look behind them, and people start slowly joining as you do in a flash mob. Yeah, we all know this. And then you look behind him, you're like, "There's five extras and Mike Chang." Yeah. And then you're like, "Oh, now it's ten extras and 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 um Brittany." And you're like, "Oh, and now it's fifteen extras and Matt Rutherford." And now you don't actually really see the rest of the Glee Club at all. It's Except, really just that yeah, these I mean, people can dance. And I know like Tina, you see Tina in the dance Tina, sequence at one point, and you see Kurt come in at one point, like you at see least Kurt, running you down see the escalator. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. see them in flashes, but the fact that it really starts with, like, a whole bunch of extras, but then also Mike Chang, Brittany, and Matt are there because you they were literally basically hired to be dancers. Right. And I'm like, oh, they're, they're showing their, they're showing their ass here because there's no other Glee Club members right now. It's just the ones that they can actually get to dance like this. Of course. Very fun number, though. Very I fun actually... number. Loved it. And then it ends with, um, <gasps> it ends with Artie going, oh, my God, I'm going to dance one day. And Tina goes, I know you are. Well, so it, before that, though, it actually ends on, like, so he, he's getting this big dream sequence in his head, and then it really hard cuts to him mm-hmm. sitting alone in his wheelchair with, like, the whole mob bustling around him. And that right. really is, like, oh, yeah, this is still... And then he does decide, he chooses, like, to be hopeful about it and not sad about it for now, which is interesting. Yeah. And, then, yeah, they, they go off, and he decides he's going to dance. And, again, it doesn't end the way I want it to because... They don't talk about adaptive dancing ever. So then Brian is talking to Sue. Yes. It turns out Brian was working for Sue all along. It's like the it's like fucking WandaVision where it's like, it was Sue all along. Um, <laughs> yeah, spoilers for WandaVision. It was oh, actually shit, Jane yeah. all along. Um, it turns out now that he's had a taste of the theater, now that he's auditioned for a community theater show, he's now re- reevaluating the budget for the Cheerios. Yes. They spend um, a lot of money. Which, like, I feel like the point is a little belabored at this point, because mm-hmm. we have talked about the Cheerios budget on and off for yeah. a whole season, and we talk about how there are outside investors. Um, yeah. yeah. And They just wanted this scene to happen because there's a weird amount of chemistry between Jane Lynch and Neil Patrick Harris. Which I fucking loved. <laughs> um, and in the meanwhile, there's this amazing um, debate about, like, Art, the arts give the kids like this the humanities right. of it all and then sue counters with sports give kids this like the, yeah um it's the a self-esteem classic, classic arts versus sports debate when we all know that we should be funding both exactly no one, and then they decide to go fuck at the exactly end i do appreciate though that at the end of the day neil patrick harris was like you've done your homework and she says i'm an educator and yeah. I was like, that's what it's all about. Um, right. And yes, then there's some very angry again. sex between the two, which is wonderful. In a secret room that Sue apparently has upstairs in the school? Questionable. I love, I love that Neil Patrick Harris, an open gay man, one of arguably one of the first open gay celebrity men. Yes. At least of our time. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane Lynch, openly gay celebrity woman, yep. playing these characters that are boning each other. I love it. Yeah. And boning each other angrily. Angrily. Yeah, that's another little vignette. And then we cut to a mysterious rainy car. Yes. And Jonathan Groff climbs in, and it's time for the reveal, everyone. Adina Menzel is Rachel Berry's mother. Everyone knew because they looked the same. Um, yes, which was the whole... Literally, they brought, they brought Adina onto the show, and everyone's like, oh, look, it's Rachel's mom. Um, literally. Because both were incredibly relevant at the time. Yes. So, like, this is the other shoe dropping on why Jesse has been 
do like comedy like doing this yes jesse's been you know it was idina all along um <laughs> yeah um, um and like this is a great a acting moment she... no go yeah. on he says like when you told me to seduce and idina's like no i said befriend but yep <laughs> okay <laughs> but go off i guess and he and jonathan groff has the moment everyone expects which is you sent me to seduce her but i'm actually starting to like her right um but it has been revealed that jonathan groff has been trying to get in with rachel specifically because idina menzel wants to reveal to her that she is her mom she is contractually unable to until rachel turns 18 yes um and she feels sad about giving up her baby exactly we learned that this was something she did literally to make money so she could move to new york for a few years um and that dream didn't work out for her um this was also a really great acting moment for adina menzel and Mm -hmm. i was really happy to see it and it's raining taking yeah and jonathan groff is just soaking wet because he had to get into the car so he's just like a very wet boy sitting in the car with adina menzel talking about significantly less creepy than terry popping up in cars episodes earlier but I guess every time people have a, an emotional um, conversation in a car, it's about uh, pregnancy. Yep. Yep. That's where you talk about pregnancy is in cars on a rainy day. <laughs> you know, it's, but he, it makes sense. He goes back with a promise to get her because she has planted this tape. And she says, once she listens to that tape, she won't be able to sleep until she finds me. Which we all know that means can only mean one thing uh, in the world of Rachel Berry and Idina Menzel. Shelby. I, I literally forgot her character name. <laughs> it's Shelby. Yep. So then we oh, cut to man. Emma. Yeah. Like Emma, Emma's back. Emma's here. She um, is her wonderful guidance counselor self. She is once again being a reasonable adult. Exactly. And Artie goes to her for support because he brings her all of this like medical um, early research about how they could potentially reverse his spinal damage. And poor Emma has to be... Not the bad guy, but the one that breaks the, the hard truth. The realistic one. The realistic yeah. one. That breaks the truth that, like, this probably won't happen for at least another ten years. Like, these researches are in their infancy. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, heartbreaking for everyone. Yeah, Artie came in and was like, well, I need to go to counseling so I can learn what it's going to be like when I finally can walk. And she was like, honey, no, this isn't really going to be possible the way right. you think it's going to be. And maybe we should talk because you're clearly feeling some feelings yeah that's what a guidance counselor does yeah and then he just kind of leaves and leaves all of this research with her and it's kind of sad he's really deflated he's lost all that hope that he got from tina in a way that didn't need to happen he did kind of need a reality check um it was bound to happen eventually and like i think it's a good thing that it happened from pillsbury as opposed to i don't know jane lynch but good news, yeah. mm-hmm. Neil Patrick Harris is back, and he has shopped the entire Jazz Hands catalog to bring yes. in all of the sheet music ever made, as well as dancewear, as well as custom jackets. Yes. Also, tearaway dancewear, which was an important... Tearaway dancewear, So, yes. you know, for any occasion. And yes, custom denim jackets. Kurt uh, clambers off of his seat to go grab one of these custom denim jackets, and he is absolutely valid to do so. Yes. Um, all I want out of my career is a custom jacket from a project that i work on absolutely that is the dream um so so he's all gung-ho about the arts now because he auditioned for one one thing and then um 
Jane Lynch comes in to sue Sue comes in to sabotage it by announcing that actually Will has gotten the part of Jean Valjean and that uh, Neil Patrick Harris only gets to be a townsperson with one line. Hooray. Hooray. I don't remember them saying hooray at any part of the second act of Les Mis. It seemed like there's not a lot to hooray about during that part. It's literally what my roommate said. <laughs> I'm like, what are no they hooraying? No one says hooray the in the second act of Les Mis. Um, I don't know. There is like one scene where like, oh, we fended off the enemy. Yeah. And then, of course, the, spoilers for Les Mis. The enemy comes back and they all fucking die. Yeah, especially a child. There's yeah. like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna not cast Neil Patrick Harris in at least one principal role in, in right? Lewis. Exactly. Um, he'd be a perfectly fine Javert. He'd be a perfectly fine Tenardier. Yeah. With the magic and everything. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I choose to believe that Sue has somehow used her manipulation powers. To, like, give him such a shit role, I, that's kind of what I've always assumed. Is I that fully believe that. She went over and told the dry cleaner that in order for her to, like, she threatened him and was like, you need to give Brian Ryan a shit part and Will a right. good one to destroy the Glee Club. And he was like, of course. And so, therefore, he's cutting the program. Yep. It went from all to nothing. No more jean jackets. Instead, no Glee Club. But then Will, like, actually calls him out on this, um, like, separately. Um mm-hmm. Saying, like, all you're doing is making these kids grow jaded and bitter. Um, Will takes out the yearbook that, like, the whole Glee Club posed for in 2009. Um, yeah. And talks about how there are no labels with these kids. Like, they're all, maybe none of them are going to be stars, but, or most of them, he says, are not like stars, but they shine like them. And when a star dies, it turns into a black hole and it just sucks it and everything around them. Which is what you're doing, Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. You're going to make 13 black holes if you take Glee Club away. Great. We love a motivational speech. Sure. Um, but what it ultimately culminates with is that none of that motivational speech really does anything, because Will is like, you can have the part of Jean Valjean. And Neil Patrick Harris is like, great, you can have your Glee Club back. Yes, exactly. Um, it was literally that simple. Fun fact, um, my autocorrect automatically capitalizes Valjean. Okay, so you have a brand. Clearly. <laughs> your phone knows about your love of musical theater. Right. Um, uh, so then that plot just works out. Good for them. And so, okay, so then Rachel comes back into her room, and Jesse's already there. Creepy. Creepy. And so he already has the tape queued up and ready to go. He plays the tape, and it is Adina Menzel singing Lame is a Rob. Yes! Which... A, conveniently, a song that has the word dream in it. Yes, um... Which I love. Um, yeah. I, feel I mean, like... there was going to be... I, I, I knew the thoughts were going to be only positive on this. Yeah. Yeah. Even Rachel Berry singing with this, like, the duet, like, I don't love duets of this song, but mm-hmm. this one I thought was pretty solid. Um, and the context of it made a lot, like, made yeah. a lot of sense. They so. made it work. Um, except for when she, like, sat down, like, on the stage. I was like, okay, that's mm-hmm. a bit much. But anyway, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I just love that song i mean like of course i love les mis and i love that song but like adina menzel singing that song like was something that like i was really happy that like we got um yeah i always like thought that uh, rachel berry or rather leah michelle it's so hard to tell these days has exactly rachel berry and leah michelle seem like they would want to come in strong with like eponine energy absolutely well absolutely because she does audition with i um on my own yeah and i did 
over the past few years see like some mashup of the two so mm. it's possible and it works and Les Mis as a score is really only the same four or five melodies repeated. Yeah. Yes. That's not so, a secret. No, no, it is not. Um, so yeah, I was like, okay, it's probably a song that like Leah Michelle doesn't sing as often. Right. Which is fun for her. Like I don't know, could Leah Michelle be be your uh, Fontaine? Eventually, maybe in like five, ten years. No, oh, good for her. I mean, like she's still very young and she still reads very young, so it's going to be a while before that happens. In my humble yeah. opinion. Fair enough. But yes, this is a beautiful number. Like, that's, like, this is what every theater kid Glee fan has probably been waiting for. Yes. Is to see Leah Michelle and Idina duet, and then to duet in the Les Mis song, everyone probably lost their dang mind. As mother and daughter. Yes. So, win, win, win. Yes. I forgot that it was a duet. I thought it was just going to be Idina singing it, and then I was like, oh, of course Rachel's going to come in. What right. was I thinking? And so then... We go back to Artie and Tina. Yeah. Artie gives up his uh, tap dancing position. Yeah, he's position. basically just resigned to be like, yes. no, I'm not going to dance and that's okay. Yes. Which shouldn't be the way this plot resolves. The way this plot resolves should be I can still be a dancer even though I am confined to a wheelchair. But we've talked about it. That's not the direction they went in. Fine. But it gives us an excuse to see Mike Chang do some tap dancing, which, which is also, love. which is good. Yes. And it ends with that really sad um, dream a little dream number. Yeah, with like Beautiful a melancholy like, yeah. little tap number. Will talks briefly about how he was willing to give up his dream of being Jean Valjean in a community theater production. Okay. I'd... And he was willing to give up that dream to give all of them a chance, chance at their at I don't know about that, but okay. Okay. Um, I mm. love a tap number. Yeah. So uh, dream a little dream of me already sounds beautiful. Yeah, I love a, and it's like a subtle tap. It's not like a frenetic tap. It's a exactly. very like it's a very tap. sweet tap number. Yeah, and then there's that little bit where Quinn like kind of comforts Artie, and it was uh, Angel. I knew you were gonna. I wrote it down because I noticed it, and I was like, oh, I know Ian's gonna. Bring oh, this of course up. I did. She notices him being all melancholy while he sings, and like gives him a little shoulder pat, like, no, yeah. I feel for you, bud. Yeah. And then, then in classic New Glee style, it ends on that number. That's the end. We have a whole Glee number. They're all dressed up in matching outfits. There's some subtle cuts away during that. Like, you can always tell who the episode focused on based on who they cut to during the ending group number. So we see Rachel and Jesse have a couple significant looks Mm -hmm. where, like, Jesse's like, my plan has worked. And Rachel being like, I need to find my mom because she sings real good. Yep. Um, And that's it. That's the episode. That's the episode. Overall, pretty good. Not as good as I remembered it being. Um, but, but I enjoyed just it because how how could it be? Um, right. But it's a good one. These this episode and the one before were are two very high episodes for me in season one. I agree. Um, so these were it's a good chunk of the season where we are. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, I hope Ian that you like songs with the word dream in it. Um, I mean because we have well, this this sort of depends on how you want to count songs. Because the list I pull off Wikipedia counts many more. But let's say you wanted to support uh, the Glee people and purchase a song of theirs from this episode off of iTunes. One, two, three, four, five. There's five songs you could definitely buy and two that are a little more like, because you know, this list has Daydream Believer and Big Spender on it, which like... Why? 
they were performed in this episode. Fine. But out of all those songs, we have Daydream Believer, technically, Piano Man, Big Spender, technically, Dream On, The Safety Dance, I Dreamed a Dream, and I Dream a Little Dream of Me. Mm. Which of those songs are you going to purchase for your Glee song collection? It's a kind of a hard one, this episode. It is, and like I know what I'm going with. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately I'm going to go with I Dreamed a Dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, A, because of course I love Adina Menzel singing that song. Like, that's awesome. But I was torn between that and the Safety Dance song because like I think that song is a lot of fun. Artie's great with it. But I would more so want to watch that one as opposed to listen to it. That's exactly what I was thinking because I love the Safety Dance number. But it's visual. Like, that's something you watch on YouTube again and again. Putting it, like, to download won't work. Um, right. I know I, I have to go with the Dream On duet. It's another one that I know... It's great. Like, I don't I, blame you. I know you. I had that one. I know I had that one on my iPod, too. Yeah. And anytime I can guarantee that I already got it once, I gotta get it again. <laughs> yup. Uh, I respect it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's our show. And if you want to find the uh, if you want to find the show on social media, you can find us at Glee Aggressive, uh, gleeaggressive at gmail We are waiting for your theses and um, horrible uh, photos of uh, dating profiles of characters. Would be hilarious. Um, yeah, we're looking for your crimes. Your crimes. <laughs> Send your crimes to us. Um, <laughs> gleeaggressive at gmail Make sure you like and comment and rate and subscribe and tell your friends and enemies and if are so inclined you can tip us through the uh, through the show notes. Um, Ian, where can they find you on the internet if they are looking for you specifically? Uh, me specifically, um, you can find me at ibroski uh, on Twitter and Instagram at ianjbrodsky.com, ibrods on TikTok. Oh, and like uh, anything Dapper Devil, like our. A show You're about around. coworkers is still around. Like uh, at this point, it will have been out for a long—not a long time, but a while. And um, if you want to check it out, do so. Um, it's uh, people seem to be enjoying that, so that's good. Well worth watching. Thank you. Um, what about you, Karina? Where can people find you? You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm there under the same handle, which is Epic Adventure of Epic Adventures of. Uh oh. Um, it's one of those two. I think it's. I think it's plural. It's one adventure. It is one. It is one. Um, whoops. What a brand fail. Um, you can also find me technically there on that same handle on TikTok, which yep. is a place you can go, which we don't necessarily recommend it. Agreed. No <laughs> arguments. Uh, well, thank you folks for joining us for this episode. You can join us next week. We will be discussing season one episode. Oh my goodness. Episode 20. Yep. We are getting dangerously close to the end of this season. Oof. Um, Season 1, episode 20, which is called Theatricality. Sure. Watch out for that one. Um, Watch that one. Join us next time, which means, Ian, I have to ask you, does this episode of Glee make you want to watch the next one? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure.